The unofficial Shopify podcast is supported by e-commerce bootcamp, a new strategy guide from the hosts of this very show. In it, you'll learn the insider secrets of starting, growing, and marketing a successful Shopify business that supports the life you want. For a free sample chapter and a special offer, visit ecommerce-bootcamp.com today. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Unofficial Shopify Podcast. Our topic today is using lead magnets to triple your email opt-in rate. And this is important because every online entrepreneur is really like fundamentally in the business of list building at this point. And if you don't know what a lead magnet is, that's okay, we'll dive into it. um, Because we have a great guest today who can define it better than I ever could. But if you don't know me, I'm Kurt Elster, Shopify expert, author of e-commerce bootcamp, and email course enthusiast at this time. And my guest today was named one of the top 10 marketing experts by Forbes, called a top influencer by the Wall Street Journal, and recognized as a top 100 entrepreneur under the age of 30 by President Obama. So no no small praise there. Um, so joining me today is, if you haven't guessed it, is Neil Patel, founder of Kissmetrics, Crazy Egg, Quick Sprout, and Hello Bar, all wonderful services. Neil, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, all right, so let's define, um, you know, for folks who don't know, and surprisingly, I think a lot of people don't know, what is a lead magnet? Sure. A lead magnet is like an offer. Think of it as like if you're an e-commerce site, your offer could be free shipping, a 30-day coupon, or that's, you know, 5% off or 10% off or even a $50 off coupon, whatever it may be. In the e-commerce world, those are offers that help people come back to your site and buy a lead magnet, the goal isn't to make someone buy, the goal is to make someone opt in. A opt in being an email address. So a lead magnet could be an ebook, it could be a 30 day course where you teach someone how to double their Shopify revenue. It could be um, a journey. So Groove HQ does this journey on follow me to $500,000 a month in MRR. MRR stands for monthly recurring revenue. Those are all examples of lead magnets. The reason you want to use a lead magnet versus just saying enter your email and subscribe to my newsletter is it's not a sexy pitch. If you come to my blog and let's say I have a blog just purely on e-commerce and I say subscribe to my newsletter for e-commerce tips. If you really want them, you may put in an email address, but the chances are you won't. If If I offer something like double your Shopify revenue or double your Shopify sales in 30 days right, and put in your email to learn how you're much more likely to put in your email address. And that helps increase my ratio of visitors converting into email subscribers. You know, 10 years ago, it was enough to just throw a, an email opt-in into the, the sidebar of a website, a foot of a website. Today, you know, that's standard in, in any template you, you know, download from wherever or design a site. So it, it's not enough anymore, is it, to just have that newsletter subscription? No, because a lot of people have the newsletter subscription, so they don't do that well anymore. Right, and I've seen. Well, so, what's a typical? Um, do you know a typical opt-in rate for just a newsletter offer versus, say, a good dialed-in lead magnet? There's a few. It depends how optimized your blog or website is. Typically, a blog because that's where you put in the lead magnets. If you if you just do newsletter opt-ins and you put in your sidebar or some pop-ups, you'll get one to two percent of your visitors, unique visitors, to opt-in. 
So if you have 100 unique visitors, one to two should become email subscribers. If you have a good lead magnet and you're putting them in the right places, you should get around 5%. So five out of 100 should end up becoming email subscribers. The difference is huge. Yeah, no, it's massive. And for me, I've seen, um, you know, even just for my own personal stuff, uh, more disparate numbers, you know, like less than 1%, half a percent even when we had, you know, just like very generic offers versus um, probably around, you know, depending on the day or the traffic, like 3 to 6% um, for a more um, relevant offer. And I think that's the difference is you're making it, the more relevant it becomes, you know, your message becomes, um, the more people you get to sign up. Yeah, and that's why usually the best lead magnets are content upgrades. Are you familiar with those? Uh, I am, uh, but go ahead and define it for us. A content upgrade is an offer related to the content people are reading. For example, if I write a post on 10 ways to boost your search traffic and you're reading that blog post, within the top portion of the blog post, there'll be a little call-out box that may be in bright yellow or any color that stands out. And I'll say, hey, enter your email and get a checklist uh, that breaks down the 10 ways you can increase your search traffic, right? So people are much more likely to put in their email on that post due to the offer being highly relevant. Now, that offer won't work for too many other pages on your website, but because it's relevant, your conversions will go through the roof. If you did that for every single one of your blog posts, you would collect way more emails. Right, and I think... You know, what's interesting here is, you know, coming from a, a freelancing background, this is stuff that, you know, we in within freelancing we do regularly because we're used to to trying to sell ourselves versus in e-commerce, you know, we have people coming from, let's say, like a marketplace like Amazon. And it's a totally foreign concept to them of trying to get really, you know, you're trying to build a relationship and build trust with people. And that's what this is about, is making these very relevant messages and offers um, to get those email addresses and then build a relationship so that people trust you with their credit card details. Exactly. You got it right. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So, you know, the, it's all well and good, um, to tell people, Hey, you should give, you know, you should offer these, uh, content upgrades, lead magnets, and these relevant offers, but then giving someone like, Hey, here's a step-by-step blueprint on how to do that. That's a lot tougher. So, you know, how do I begin and really, you know, where do I research it? How do I know what to do? For which part? You know, how would I know what, um, you know, what my audience, where to start with for a lead magnet, you know, like what type of lead magnet to offer, what the offer should be, et cetera. Got it. So if you're just trying to figure out how to get started and figure out what to offer, you do a quick survey. You can just ask your visitors, what would you like to learn? What could I help you with? Why did you visit here? You'll get some key insights. The other thing you can do is look at your analytics and see what your most popular post is, right? right. You can also do the same thing by going to BuzzSumo and typing in competitors, URLs, and posts and see what works well there. You can also put in keywords into BuzzSumo and see what's exceptionally hot in your space. These will give you ideas of what kind of offer you should end up running because the offer is the key. If the offer sucks, you're not going to get too many opt-ins. I don't care how, much, how many visitors you have. Right. Yeah. And again, it's, it's getting that it's product market fit. It's relevancy. Um, you know, if you already have an existing newsletter, you know, I would encourage you to include surveys in that. I know like that's been really helpful for me, um, is having, you know, asking people and a survey could literally just be a single question in a, a welcome email saying, what can I help you with? What problems are you facing? What do you want to learn more about? Um, and I love that idea of just looking at your own traffic and exploiting that, that 80, 20 rule, um, 
to see, you know, what uh, what works and then just building on top of that content as opposed to going very broad. Though, of course, I'm a, you know, I love niching down and really exploding those things. Um, so I've personally often used Amazon reviews for marketing research. I've seen you mention Reddit for market research. Um, how would you go about doing that? I'm not a big Redditor myself. Yeah, Reddit has so many subreddits. Uh, again, it's kind of like Buzzsumo. If you can see what's hot on Reddit, typically it'll do well as a content upgrade because they like the cutting edge stuff. And that's what your readers will like too because it won't be out there all over the web already, right, for whatever you're offering. Yeah, no, I love um, – yeah, I've used um, – you know, if you don't have an audience where you can ask or you don't have existing content, you know, that's what I've done um, for clients for myself is, you know, go through um, – and try and see what's hot within that space. Find those watering holes. And a subreddit is like such a slam dunk way to figure that out and then see what's – it literally gives you a tab for like what's hot, what's top. Um, and I've only recently started doing that, you know, after seeing you suggest it. And it's, it's been powerfully helpful. Um, I've even used like uh, um, hot Reddit like topic titles as email subject lines. And that's been a, a pretty easy optimization for me um, that's worked well. So, but, you know, for the lead magnet um, moving forward, is presentation important? Is presentation? Yeah, it is. If your offer looks really spammy and ugly, you're not going to get as many opt-ins uh, as if it looked really good. The other thing, too, is a lot of people who are good designers, they put way too many images within their offer, right? As in the, uh, like, pop-up or the sidebar, whatever it may be. And it's also a distraction away from the email opt-in box, so oh, interesting. make sure the design is clean, but not too overwhelming. And the images and the elements you have don't distract people away from putting in their email. No, for sure. I think a lot of people um, have a tendency, you know, especially in the beginning, to over-design things. You know, and I know I was guilty of this. Um, and when you over-design stuff, it makes it, you know, it's harder to make for you. So there's, you're less likely to make it um, as the content creator. It makes it look more like advertising, and that's not what you want. Um, you know, you want it to look like an email from a friend. And that's what's um, – I know I've sent it for your newsletter. And it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's mo it looks mostly like plain text, right? Yeah, because the plain text converts really well from what I've tested. Everyone's like, why don't you have image emails? And I should test them out again. It's been a few years, but last time I tested it out, it didn't work as well. Yeah, I think um, – no, I absolutely – across everything, I've seen um, plain text perform better for myself, for my clients. Um, you know, you know, I am addicted to subscribing to people's newsletters and email courses to learn, to see what they're up to. And like everyone who has a big list um, uses at this point plain text. And for like year one store owners, they always want to design these very, these over-designed like HTML newsletters. Um, and they don't perform as well and they take way more effort. So I'd encourage people like, you know, look at your offerings and, you know, work on relevance versus how polished it is. Yep. Um but for actually creating a lead magnet, be it like an email course, which you could just drip out as plain text, or like this one-time content upgrade, um, for a one-time content upgrade, I think there's where you want, and I've noticed you do this a lot, um, you want to make a PDF. You want some kind of nice presentation that people could take away. Yes, because they're going to share that too. When people share stuff, they're sharing your brand. If you make something look ugly, then that's going to hurt you in the long run. Right. Yeah, so like, you know, the those plain text emails, um, you know, they it's very personal, very one-on-one. -on -one. I think that's the big advantage there versus like these one-time content upgrades. You want to make it look uh, like an ebook almost. Yeah. Anything that makes it seem like you're giving more value 
And of course, you want to make sure the content is good so when people see it, they're like, oh, wow, Kurt actually gave me something that's really useful for me, so it helps your brand. If you give out crap, then people are going to be like, oh, Kurt gives me crap content for my email. I'm not going to open up his emails or I'm not going to read his stuff again. That's what happens. Yeah, you're training them you know, over time what to expect from you. You're setting expectations. So I think – but I do think um, – you know, depending on context, that you're right, that presentation is important in that, um, like, what's, you know, even just charging for info products, like, if I sent someone a Word doc with the same content as a nicely formatted, you know, PDF ebook, I'm going to get a lot, like, even with the same content, I'm probably going to get a lot more refund requests if I'm sending people Word docs. Yeah, exactly. So the key in general is just go above and beyond people's expectations. So how do we know what those expectations are, though? You can ask people, ask your readers, ask other people in the space if you don't even have readers. Just say, hey, if I give you an email, this is what I offer, what would you expect? You can ask anyone, and if whatever they tell you, make sure you go above and beyond that. That makes sense. Yeah, I've built that into um, you know, my, my email courses, my drip campaigns, where I'm asking, I'm regularly checking in with people um, and include, you know, doing surveys and saying, hey, do you, do you want to help me make my content better? If yes, just tell me, you know, what should I be making more of? What would you expect? What do you want to see? You know, and making some of it multiple choice, but some of it open ended, so I can get those suggestions. But then, you know, of course, the important part is then acting on it. You know, it's all well and good to set up the survey, which does, you know, create some commitment from the reader. But then, if you don't do anything with it, you know, they're going to feel they may feel betrayed. Exactly, you got it right. <laughs> so, what um, you you clearly you have been doing this a while. You are a prolific content creator. What types of lead magnets have worked best for you? The, the best lead mags that worked for me have been journey-based. So, for example, on neilpatel.com, it's follow my journey to 100,000 monthly visitors. Hmm. Go That's right right more than anything else. The reason being is people are like, oh, cool, I got to go through the whole journey with you, the ups, the downs, learn from you, and go from there. And that's right. I've noticed that, too. I think there's a lot of... Um... Well, and part of that is storytelling, right? So, like, people love, whether they know it or not, they want to be involved with and love stories. Um, but there's also an implicit, like you said it yourself, the ups and downs. There's this implicit um, openness, you know, that you're being very open and sharing. And I've noticed, like, the more I, I include that, you know, the more authentic marketing is, the more real it becomes. So, you know, at some point, I drop that, like, that voice that we all get from, you know, maybe academia does this to us. I don't know. But everyone has, when they sit down to write their first marketing emails, they sound like they're writing marketing emails versus if you just write it in your natural voice. It's so much more successful. Yes. It, it, when you write papers that are, or emails that are all stuffy, no one wants to read it. Don't bore people to death. Yeah, no. I And what's funny is I think actually my – like the the emails I sit down and write for email courses are probably less stuffy than just like my regular one-off email to a a client or friend because it keeps people going. Like it keeps them interested in reading, you know, and I will tell crazy stories in there too to get people engaged. Um, But I think the point is like be authentic, be personal, be yourself, and that's what's going to make it successful. You got it right. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, Thank you. So, okay, if people wanted to learn more, wanted to know more about, um, you know, what you're doing and, and where to get more of this this info, where should they go? Where should they uh, sign up, learn more, follow you, whatever? Well, I blog about it on clicksprout.com and neilpatel.com. But if you want to really learn more, 
check out what I do on my blog, the neilpatel.com blog or the Quicksprout blog. You should also check out like what Brian Dean does his on his blog, Ramit Sethi does on his blog, which is I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Uh, going back to Brian Dean, his blog is backlingo.com. By looking what other people in the industry are doing to collect the emails, even socialtriggers.com does a good job, this will help you determine what you should do to collect the most amount of emails. For example, there is a company called Bounce Exchange that taught me that having engagement before you ask for an email converts the best. So I did an opt-in that converted extremely well, and the opt-in was, do you want more traffic? Yes or no? If they said yes, they said, great, put in your email below and we'll teach you how to double your tra- or I'll teach you how to double your traffic in 30 days. If they said no, it says, great, now that you have uh, enough visitors, let's focus on doubling your, tra- or doubling your conversions in the next 30 days. Put in your email below and we'll teach you how to increase your sales. <laughs> Doing that, my email collection rate went through the roof. That's an example of learning what's out there. By just analyzing and see what other experts are doing, because these experts are data-driven, it typically means that their changes have helped them collect more emails. And I'm not saying you should copy them, but you should try to learn from them and do your own variation of it. Yeah, I think that's an important point. Like taking, You can very easily take inspiration from people without copying them. Um, you know, I often do that like – want to copy by all means, assuming it doesn't hurt their feelings. Copy like the journey that I have on neilpatel.com. I copied it literally from GrooveHQ, right, GrooveHQ.com. And I took the even words. I'm like from aha to oh shit, I'm sharing everything on my journey to 100,000 monthly visitors. I'm learning a lot and so will you. Now let's go to Grooves. Okay, uh, let's check it out. I'm actually checking out their blog right now and I'm going to read theirs. And again, I copied it. <laughs> So remember what I read? There's from aha to oh shit. We're sharing everything on our journey to $500,000 in monthly revenue. We're learning a lot and so will you. I pretty much copied them. <laughs> I didn't even change much. And I even, t- when I wrote blog posts on what I did, I even linked to them saying I copied them and I got the concept from them. Well, and I think that's probably the difference is you gave them credit for it. Um, and like that's the thing that prevents the hurt feelings. Um, but yeah, I mean, like when I was going to actually read that headline because I thought it was so good. Yeah, <laughs> you borrowed it from someone else, from Groove. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like for I headlines, I don't think. I stole it. I really did steal it. Like, I wasn't using creativity. I was like, oh, this is working really well for them. Let me jack it. And then I mentioned them in blog posts. And funny enough, they emailed me saying they were flattered and that's awesome. And I was like, cool. Thanks for not having hurt feelings. Yeah, and if they had, I mean, what would have you done? Like, just tweaked it, changed it so it's not exactly the same? Or no, just, you know, apologized and kept using it? No, I would have left it up, and I would have been like, my bad, I gave you guys credit, you know, like, hopefully it's good enough. It's not like I'm stealing anything that's really valuable of theirs. It's just text, and my text is different than theirs. Theirs focuses on revenue. Mine focuses on uh, traffic. And even if I did focus on revenue, it's like, what can they say? Oh, you're copying our model of collecting emails. It's like, too bad. <laughs> well, and at, yeah, and at the same time, there's nothing original about, you know, the concept of an, an opt-in, a lead magnet, of course, any of that, you know, that's solely the, um, it's just clever phrasing that we like, that like single snippet of from, really, it's like from aha to oh shit. That's the thing that grabs you. And again, going back to being authentic and using that natural voice, that headline would terrify most first store owners like they wouldn't even think of it to do something like that but it it's in your face it grabs you and you know immediately like okay this is real and authentic exactly you got it right
So are there any, <laughs> before we wrap it up, are there any other uh, softball questions I should throw out there I should ask? Uh, I, I think you pretty much got it all. The, the big thing that most people need to realize is when you're doing all these opt-ins, keep testing and adjusting. If you don't, your opt-ins are going to get stale and your numbers are going to decrease over time. You got to keep creating new ones. Like every year you should try to focus on new opt-ins or even if the opt-in text is the same, make sure the PDF you're sending them or the ebook or the journey is uh, improved and better. Always beat people's expectations. Most people just try to focus on revenue and uh, or collecting the email. They don't really worry about what they're putting on the back end, and it hurts the reputation. Right, and I think you're you know those expectations. Um, you know, now that I think about it, it may just be you know to beat people's expectations. You really just have to be you know you don't have to do something amazing. You just have to be ten percent better than what they're used to, and that may be you know who who are your competitors? What are they doing? You know, people who subscribe to you. Who else have they subscribed to? And if you're 10% better than that, like that's all you need to do. Yep, you got it right. It's as long as you follow all the tips that we even mentioned today on the podcast, I think people will be better off, right? It's the goal is keep providing value, go above and beyond the expectations. And once you collect the emails, try to have a plan. An email isn't going to generate more sales. You got to email people, coupons, offers, discounts, whatever it may be. If you don't engage a list after you collect it, it's useless. All right, here's one. A common question I get is, um, how often should I be sending emails? You know, what's the right frequency? And I always tell people, well, until people start complaining, you're not sending enough emails. What's your take on it? I agree with that, but I look at it more so as it's what you're offering in the email. If the email you are offering is really high in value, then people won't complain. You can send an email every day. If the email that you're sending sucks, that's when you're going to get complaints. That's true, and you have and to you look at it. Nope. You can have a weekly option, a daily option, monthly, whatever people want. Yeah, that's a good – you're right. If you know people are complaining about it, it's because the stuff isn't valuable. You know, If I send people daily emails and it has loads of value, they shouldn't complain about it or unsubscribe. And at the same time, like a newsletter is – you know, 99% of newsletters are free. You know, you're not going to charge anything for them. So if people are complaining about, you know, essentially coming to your house party, something has gone wrong. Like you're doing something wrong at that point. Yep. So, so. yeah, this was, um, well, for, you know, it was uh, an, an honor and a privilege for me to talk to you. Um, really genuinely helpful stuff. Um, but more so, I think for, you know, our listeners, our audience, I think they'll um, get a ton out of this. Um to our listeners, however this audio made it into your ears, you can find out more about it at unofficialshopifypodcast.com. And if you'd like to be notified whenever a new episode goes live, you can sign up for my newsletter at kurtelster.com, and I'll shoot you an email whenever we post a new episode. Thanks, everybody, and we'll be back next week. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.